0: From St. Louis Public Radio, this is Politically Speaking.
1: Congresswoman Cory Bush delivered a landmark victory in 2020 when she unseated longtime St. Louis Congressman Lacey Clay. Two years later, Bush is on the ballot again for her first re-election bid since entering the U.S. House. On the latest episode of Politically Speaking, Bush talks about why she's a better representative for the 1st Congressional District than State Senator Steve Roberts, and talks about a multitude of issues that she could deal with if she gets another two years in Washington. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking Podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics.
0: We have to talk about things that matter to people.
1: I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to
0: uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone
1: who represents their values.
0: After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make.
1: And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio Political Correspondent Jason Rosenbaum, joining me in studio today. She is St. Louis Public Radio's State House and Politics Reporter.
0: Sarah Kellogg.
1: And joining us, she is the Congresswoman for Missouri's first congressional district.
0: Congresswoman Clay Bush.
1: Congresswoman, thank you for joining us today. I'm just gonna start off with a really simple question. Why should voters in the first district re-elect you as opposed to voting for your main opponent, State Senator Steve Roberts?
0: Well, while we were running, while I was running for this seat, um, while I was campaigning before I was elected, um, one thing that I said that I would do is uh, take St. Louis to D.C. with me. Another thing that I said that I would do was have the same energy that I had out on the streets of Ferguson doing the work to make sure that we were saving lives um uh that same intensity that same um uh courage and persistence and diligence I will take that to congress and we've been able to do that um we've centered st louis in every single thing we do even Starting with just the fact that every time I hit that uh, floor in Congress, I start with St. Louis and I rise every every um, hearing every uh, time I speak. It's about St. Louis. And because of that, we've been able to bring in because we centered St. Louis and we've made it very clear that our fight has to be um, for this district. We've been able to bring over one billion dollars to the St. Louis area in under two years. You have been passionately critical of the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade and have sponsored
1: a number of bills aimed at protecting abortion access. But if the Democrats don't hold on to the House and
0: Senate, what can Democrats practically do to undo the Supreme Court decision? So one thing that we are working on, um, uh, we believe that the Supreme Court, first of all, having uh, these this court, the Supreme Court that has been stacked with uh, far-right-leaning extremists that um, is working to remove, to strip away our fundamental rights. Um, We know that Congress has an obligation to make sure that we don't allow that. If we don't hold the House, then what we're doing, we're already um, uh, uh, working with local groups. We're working with um, uh, community organizations. We are working with... um, uh, prosecutors and DAs all across the country, um, to be, because to help to localize some of this. And what we, what we also know is we have stellar communities, like what just happened here in St. Louis, being the very first municipality to pass legislation, to make sure that the logistical support is there for our community members to be able to, to travel to another state, to be able to have their, um, Abortion care and reproductive health services. Um, so we have to we we have a lot that we need to do, but also we're we're putting pressure, continue to put pressure on um, other legislators on all levels of government to make sure that we um, that the Supreme Court is held to a standard. We, uh, as Congress members, we have a code of ethics, but there is not a code of ethics in, um, in the Supreme Court. Uh, and they have the ability to be able to strip away our, our uh, fundamental rights. So um, so the, it not only comes from Congress, you know, we need that pressure. The pressure that comes from folks in our communities to the legislators, even if we don't hope, hold the House, um, that is what we can continue to use to um, uh, affect what's happening in the Supreme Court.
1: When we asked your opponent why he would be a better advocate for abortion rights than you, his response was that you, Congresswoman Cori Bush, should be focusing more on legislating rather than advocacy and protest. I think you deserve a chance to respond to that. What do you make of your opponent's comment?
0: Uh, you know, we have to be able to walk in two gum at the same time. Um, You know, I think that we should be the best of ourselves and not just doing what people expect of us. I think that it's okay to do more things than what someone else um, would think is enough. Um, And our community deserves our best and not just what we feel comfortable doing. So because of that, let me be clear, we've already passed. 32 pieces of legislation through the U.S. House of Representatives um, on top of bringing in the $1 billion um, and so much more. And not only, um, yes, I was arrested um, during a protest because this was a protest in opposition to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which we should be doing everything in our power to highlight the issue, to make keep the awareness up, but also use legislation. Um, to bring about the change. Uh, and so, because I was actually out on the ground during the Ferguson uprising, because I spent more than 400 days out there, because I fought um, and, and, and I fought against the Muslim ban, because I've stood with our LGBT community, because I've stood out on the line with our union workers multiple times because i've done those things i understand how change happens when people show up when people voice their concerns i understand how we've been a- we were able to get the 13th the 14th and the and the 15th amendment during rec- recon- during the reconstruction period because people stood up And people use their voices because St. Louis has a rich history of people standing up for change. We look at Percy Green and how he stood up for change. We look at even if you only talk about Congress. I've been told multiple times how what my predecessor, uh, one of my predecessors, uh, William Clay Sr., how he was this activist. and He was and and people people. uh, revere him for his activism. So and we and we revere John Lewis and call him good trouble. We revere him. And but so why is it so are we saying that all of those people were wrong? We're saying that John Lewis was wrong in the work that he did? Um no, we cannot erase the rich legacy of those not only John Lewis but those others in Congress that ha- that are activists that were there during the civil rights movement and those that are there today. And the same day um, that I was arrested, we also introduced legislation to protect um, abortion access. As, mo- as a matter of fact, we were able to introduce three, le- three pieces of legislation that week, and it was only Tuesday.
1: I want to move on to the topic of Ukraine. You have voted against some sanctions against Russia in retaliation for their invasion of Ukraine, but you've also voted for some assistance such as the $40 billion aid package in May. What would you say to people who feel like you haven't been tough enough against Russia, against what may many feel is a
0: brutal invasion of a sovereign country? So actually what we did was um, there was a resolution first to condemn the uh, the murderous Putin regime um, and uh, his actions against Ukraine. We supported that bill we've been very clear that we um are in opposition to um what is happening to the people of ukraine at the hands of russia um and so that is made clear what we could not agree with was um as much as we do support a russian oil band a, a russian oil band because in saying that we won't um uh with 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 us receiving less than 10 percent of our oil from Russia, uh, we understand that in saying, no, we're, we don't want this oil from Russia because Russia is uh, it, uh, is has waged war against the Ukrainian people. Absolutely. We believe that. But what we could not do was open the door for Saudi Arabia. Then to give us uh, we can turn to Saudi Arabia. Um, for um, oil, increasing oil from Saudi Arabia, who also has waged a murderous war against the the people of Yemen, and that's happening right now, when when 19 million people are at risk for starvation, when you, when uh, humanitarian aid is being held up, some of that is being held up by Saudi Arabia. So the murder of people is the murder of people, regardless of where you are in the world. And so I couldn't say yes to that. But what we did do was we wrote a bill. So we didn't just say no to that, we were saying no to the to, the, to adding to the death of the uh, people of Yemen. But what we did was we decided to write a bill with a couple of our colleagues and that bill was um, to authorize money for the president to use the Defense Production Act for the increase of uh, production of clean, um, clean renewable energy and for heat pumps. And actually what happened was Um, Even though that bill did not move in Congress yet, the president was able to use the Defense Production Act for just that same thing. And right now, we are at about $105 million that has been allocated um, through appropriations for that because of my bill, Um, and the bill that I have with with my colleagues. So we were able to still get what we needed. um, And uh, and we were able to help the president by getting his work funded. You,
1: You voted against the infrastructure bill because you wanted the House to vote on a broader spending package known as Build Back Better First. And me and you talked about that extensively. And if you go back in the Politically Speaking archives, you can hear that entire episode. Uh, The question I wanted to ask you, since inflation is on everybody's mind, do you agree with some Republicans and even some members of your own party that increased federal spending right now exacerbates inflation? Or do you feel like some of these programs that you're advocating for are are necessary regardless of the inflation issue?
0: So, I don't believe that it will add to it. What we, what I was just speaking about, um, the, that bill, that the Defense Production Act, the work that the president is doing, uh, this helping lower gas prices, um, um, dealing with um, energy efficiency, actually is would directly impact inflation, and that is something that has already started. So that's one. So we're attacking inflation that way. Uh, also. Um, This increase in uh, spending when we're talking about putting money in people's pockets so they can afford gas. When we're speak when we're talking about making sure that um, children are able to go to school, three and four year olds are able to go to school, um, go to preschool with um, uh, with parents not having to take any money out of their pockets. They're able to put money into um, so many other areas that. even if it's buying fresh food, um, even if it's even if it's uh, spending money on uh, moving from renting a home to buying a home, um, those things help. Those things help our communities. That that helps the economy. Um, so we're looking at it as first of all uh, saving lives, but then also building people up. When people are able to pay for their medication and not have to make the difference between uh, make a decision between paying for their medication and paying their rent, um, uh, that helps our communities, when small businesses are able to pay their workers um, a livable wage, that helps our communities. When we are putting money for, for community violence prevention into our communities so that those programs can help save lives and help um, the victims of violence to be able to rebuild, that helps our communities. Congress passed legislation earlier this year providing money to states with red flag laws and bolster mental health programs.
1: You voted for these bills. But what else would you want to do in the gun control space if you're reelected?
0: Uh, so right now um, I can say that I am a proud co-sponsor of the Protecting Our Kids Act, um, which, you know, raises the ages, you know, for uh, the purchase of, um, of assault weapons from 18 to 21, um, which we wanted more. But that, it, but it also bans ghost guns, um, and it was very important to me to close the um, what is called the boyfriend loophole. Um, but uh, we are also working um, as we speak on um, the assault weapons ban. Um, a lot of work is happening in Congress today, right now, um, to um, on on legislation um, to pass it out of the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, but then also uh, we have to look at um, the uh, the broader the broader uh, scope of how we handle um, uh, community violence prevention in our communities, um, because community violence affects us every day locally. And so um, we we uh, were big supporters of the Build Back Better, which had the $5 billion um, for community violence prevention to give money directly to community organizations that are doing the work. Um, Uh, to save lives um, directly. Um, Currently, there is a bill in the House breaking the cycle of violence um, from Representative Steve Horsford uh, that we are supporting to do uh, just that. Also, we have our bill, the People's Response Act. And um, this bill, this bill, um, you know, it will provide that evidence based uh, policy approach to reducing the contact um, uh, with people who are in uh, mental health crises, people who are um, having a substance use crises, uh, making sure that a professional, an expert in that field, shows up if there is a crisis um, versus having a police officer shows up. show up and that would free up police to be able to do um, more police work and have the mental health experts deal with um, mental health uh, situations and also the money would go to community organizations again that um, do this work.
1: What are you doing as a member of Congress to break down historical barriers between the federal government and, and black people? And I, I feel like I've been asking this question to Republicans, Democrats, not just African-American politicians like yourself, but I, I feel like this is the most difficult issue in America today and has been for the past 200 years. I want to know what you're doing to make things better.
0: Well, one thing is I speak up about what's actually happening. Um, you know, on my third day, uh, my third day on the job, there was an ins- insurrection on the US Capitol, um, and I was there. Uh, but, uh, and so we introduced legislation. Um, House Resolution 25 to investigate and expel any member of Congress who participated in the overturning of the Democratic election based upon Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Um, and uh, because we were tackling, we know we have to tackle white supremacy head on. And what that looks like is speaking up when we see it. It's the same reason why I, from the House floor, um, called out the then President um, Donald Trump as the um, the white supremacist in chief. We, we understand that um that there are disparities in just about in every area we we speak about and so when i talk about supporting medicare for all as much as we want more money in um, the affordable care act and we do uh, we want more money for um for the uh for medicaid um we do um but i'm also pushing for medicare for all to make sure that we close those those disparities when we know that um that um, the black community um, is uninsured at alarming rates. And so closing that um, uh, that uh, gap is going to be necessary. Um, so when I speak up and I'm fighting for canceling all student debt, even though I paid my student debt, I want to cancel all student debt for every person that holds it because we know that black women carry the most student debt in the country and we carry it the longest. Um, we need to close the racial the racial wealth, wealth gap. When we out... Um, uh, environmental injustice. We have to uh, because that affects our Black community members. And so, when I'm pushing for a Green New Deal for cities, which was which partly was born out of conversations with local um, uh, uh, groups that uh, work in um, in the climate space, uh, that is because of the report that came out um, locally, um, the in, um, environmental uh, uh, racism report. And one thing that it talks about, and I talk about it all the time, is just out of that report, one stat said that black children are 10 times as likely to go to the emergency room for asthma than white children. When we look at the black maternal health crisis um, and the black um, the black infant mortality crisis, how do we tackle those unless we speak about it and unless we um, address it? So um, I support it. Uh, I support the, um, the momnibus out of Congress, making sure that we're addressing um, the black uh, uh, health crisis. Uh, we we know that um, black women, even locally, are three to four times as likely to, uh, um, and black women and pregnant people are three three to four times more likely to die um, during pregnancy than than um, white women and pregnant people, uh, and um, and the babies six can be anywhere from four to six times as likely to die than white babies. Um, speaking about black babies, um, so. We're fighting and pushing for all of those things, but we're also writing legislation to help um, to uh, um, to to move the conversation forward. I am also vice chair of our um, on our poverty, a vice chair on our poverty task force to make sure that we are addressing poverty uh-huh. head on. Um, and what that looks like is making sure that we're building communities and so making sure we're doing the work to make sure that um, that small businesses are able to um, have or those that are building small businesses have the capital to be able to um, um, to build those businesses. But then also um, we were we helped with the um, that um, the Paycheck Protection Pro- Program to make sure that that money was getting into this community. The second round, making sure that Black community members that were working to get those dollars, that they actually in the second round were able to get the the dollars to help continue their businesses. And also, lastly, I'll say this, the Restaurant Revital- Revitalization Act, um, we were helping to connect people with those funds. We helped uh-huh. to increase the amount um, that was coming to, this co- to, to the people of this country. And we... Um, um, we're able to get uh, a quite a bit of um, help right here on the ground for those that needed it in St. Louis because those are also jobs, um, and so we've been able to bring jobs to this community. the The um, community funding projects that we uh, supported, um, those are organizations and um, groups that are doing the work in our community, such as Affinia Healthcare, we were able to get $2 million for um, a new clinic that they that they will be um, that they will be uh, uh, opening. um, Once it's ready, we we have money for organizations that work on crime um, prevention organization, money for um, housing. Um, we support our veterans. We know I myself have been on the ground multiple times helping our unhoused veterans um, get into shelter. Um, so it is it's it's everything. And we have to be willing to do all of the work um, at once, regardless of if it seems like it's a progressive thing. It's not progressive. It's not um, like like we need to take off those labels and just help people. And that, so that's what we're doing. Um, and. You know, we have to also save black lives. And so when people uh, uh, criticize me for, oh, she wants to defund the police, what she wants, what I want to do is I want to stop the militarization of our police departments and take that money and put it directly into the community programs, our social safety net, because I know what it's like to not have the money to pay rent. I know what it's like to have um, utility shutoffs. I know what it's like to have slept in a car. I know what it's like to have suffered um, police violence on my physical person. I know what it's like to um, have worked low wage and, work and been uninsured. I walked into Congress uninsured. I had COVID uninsured. When I went to the hospital, I was uninsured. I know what that's like. And so I want to stop that and prevent other people from having to live live through what I've what I've gone through and so many others.
1: Congresswoman, thank you so much for your time today. And I know that you are you have an extremely busy schedule. So if you want to provide our listeners with uh, your website or any social media to follow your campaign, I want to give you that opportunity before you head out.
0: Absolutely. Um, our website is corybush.org. We have a lot of information there, C-O-R-I-B-U-S-H. And you can go there. There's also a reproductive justice uh, hub for anyone who has questions about um, uh, uh, reproductive care, abortion care services. um, Who do I talk to? Where do I go? Um, And you can also always, you can always call our office at 314-955-9980.
1: Congresswoman, thank you very much for your time. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah K. Kellogg. And you can find all of our coverage of Primary Campaign 2022 by going to stlpr.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.